0: Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We appreciate the Lord once again for His grace and mercy. And we hope that tonight's broadcast will be a blessing. And uh, you'll be praying for me as we uh, carry on. But before we read the word, let's bow our heads and just have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for your grace and mercy. We appreciate everything that you are doing for us, dear God. We pray for every brother and every sister and every family. And as we are going to go through the Bible study, may you be gracious to us, dear God. Undertake for us. May we just be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know our hearts' desires, you know our challenges you know what we need and that is why we just want to come before you before your altar this evening we pray dear god knowing very well that you are an able god as we are going to reach the weight anoint the lips anoint the ears as we commit everything to you in jesus christ's name amen god bless you richly now i said this evening i wanted to speak about the overwhelming obligations that's what I want to speak about this evening the overwhelming obligations maybe let's just go to the reading of the word. now in the book of Psalm 116 Psalm 116 David when he wrote he said verse 12 What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? Second scripture. In the book of Luke 12 verse 48. Luke 12 verse 48 it reads in this manner: For unto whomsoever much is given. Of him shall be much required and to whom men have committed much over him they will ask them all so to whom much is given much is required and to whom much has been entrusted with much shall be required that's why I say I want to speak about overwhelming obligations tonight and maybe you'll understand what I mean As we go along with the subjects subject to the scriptures and as well as quotations now when you look at uh, at obligation I just thought to myself how, how best to describe an obligation within the context of what I want to speak about tonight and an obligation this is my perspective on it An obligation is created by a sense of debt that is often created by an unmerited benefit granted to a recipient. So an obligation is created when you get into the legal fraternity, they have a way to uh, describe obligation. But within the context of what I want to speak about tonight, I simply say an obligation is created by a sense of debt. That is often created by an unmerited benefit granted to a recipient. I guess in our lives we have had people that have done certain things for us. Not that they had any expectations, but what they have done for you and the benefit that was derived from what they have done for you, you realize that It was unmerited, and as a result, you feel obligation. Maybe let me say, maybe you had somebody that is alive, maybe is a parent, and someone did something uh, extraordinary for you. And later they pass on, and after they've passed on, uh, based on what they've done for you when they were still alive, it created an obligation within you, maybe to extend a certain of favor towards their children based on what the father has done or what the mother has done when they were still alive. So that creates a sense of obligation towards them uh, based on what the individual that has gone on has done for you. But you will understand what I mean. Now, the question maybe even before I get to speak about what I want to speak about tonight, I simply want to put it across to everyone that is listening to me tonight. You owe the Lord. You owe the Lord so much that you will never be able to repay him for what he has done for us. We owe the Lord so much that we will never be able to repay what he has done for us. Now, somebody say, do I owe the Lord? Oh yes, you owe the Lord. And the repayment that we are looking for is not the money, is not, it's your life. For what he has done, there is no better repayment towards him except you to give your life, not partially, but entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Christians often, because they often forget where they come from, maybe let me remind you why I say you owe the Lord this much. Let us just go down the memory lane. Now, this was 2,000 years ago. It's a reenactment of what happened 2,000 years ago. Now, think for a minute of what you owe to God, to His Son. I mean, as many as you have believed on Him. Think for a moment on the habitation of the highest glory and consider how Jesus left His Father's throne, deserted the courts of angels, and came down below to robe Himself in an infant's clay. They contemplate Him tabernacling in our nature. See Him after He has grown up, leading a life of toil and pain, bearing our sicknesses and carrying our sorrows. Let your eye look straight into the face of the man who was acquainted with grief. I shall not ask you to track all his footsteps, but I would bid you to come to that famous garden where in the dead of the night, he knelt and prayed until in agony he sweated drops of blood. It was for you, my brother, it was for you, my sister, as a believer of Christ, that the sweat drops of blood fell to the ground. You see him rise, he is betrayed by his friend. He is betrayed by his friend. For you, the, pat- the, pat- the betrayal was Jude. He is taken, he is led off to Pilate. They falsely accuse him. They spit in the face. They crown him with thorns. They put a mock of sceptre of reed into his hands. For you, that ignominy was was endured. For you especially and particularly the Lord of glory passed through this cruel mocking. See him as he bears his cross. His shoulders is bleeding from the recent lash. He bears that cross for you; your sins are on his shoulders laid, and make that cross more heavier than had it been made of iron. Sit, see him on the cross, lifted up between heavens and earth, a spectacle of grievous woe. Hear him cry, "I thirst." And he hear his cry, "More bitter still, while heavens and earth are startled by it. Why have you forsaken me, my Lord, my Lord? He is enduring all those griefs for you. For you, the thirst and the fainting, the nakedness and the agony. for you the bowing of the head, the yielding up of the spirit, the slumber in the cold, and the silent tomb. All done for you, my sister. All done for you, my brother. That creates an overwhelming sense of obligation. That creates a sense of duty of what we need to do for our Lord, for what He has done. That's why I'm taking you down the memory lane to remind you of what He went through for you. Lest we forget, bloody, bruised, rejected, lashed, hung on the cross and naked. He had the power to leave that cross, but he remained on the cross because he thought of you and I when he was on the cross. That creates a sense of obligation, brothers and sisters. That's why I want to speak about it tonight. And it reminds me of a song. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed somebody to wash, someone to wash my sins away. But now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. I think it is our story tonight when we remember what the Lord did for us. And we're going to come into the granular level, into the details of what he has done. And that will provoke a sense of obligation to talk about him, to testify about him, to glorify his name and never to be ashamed of him in any way, because he was never ashamed of you. He never rejected you. He was there through and through because of his love for you. Now, you know, we owe owed a debt. We are all sinners saved by grace. This is something that legalistics in the message would not want to hear, that they were once sinners. Brother Branham said it at the beginning of the ministry, during the ministry, right until the end, that we are sinners saved by grace. I'm reminded of a brother that was praying in a certain assembly, and in his prayer he said, Lord Jesus, Forgive our sins. It was a message church immediately after the meeting. They called the brother aside. It was one deacon. And seventh. never ever say behind the pulpit, forgive our sins. What would the people think? People would think we are sinners. Then I realized that this deacon that was telling this brother that was praying, is not on the same page as Paul because Paul says we die daily. And Brother Brenham, as well, he comes, he says, if you ever get, he says, a church member, if you ever get to a point where you think you've got nothing to repent of, you are in a more serious condition than a sinner in the street. Now, I'm reminded you of the debt that you owed. But look at how beautiful he, you know, we were accused. And this one, maybe I must read this quotation. In the message, the token, paragraph 109, he says, what if you were had committed a crime and you're going to be tried in a federal court and you know that if they found you guilty that you were going to die, you were going to an electric chair or the gas chamber or whatever public execution they were going to have for you maybe hung or something lynched whatever the penalty was and you know that you had you were guilty you know you were guilty and you must die and if you don't get some attorney to represent you that who that who can get you out of the thing now you would want the best attorney that you could have and then getting an attorney that was good shrewd attorney you would feel that your case was a little, you could relax a little bit because you were an attorney. But still, there would be a question whether this attorney could change the mind or they change the judge's idea or change the jury. If this attorney, with his shrewd speaking and the knowing of the laws, could change that and could plead your case and prove that you should live, But yet, in all of his great authority and the great speech that he could make and the impression he could put upon the jury or have you have with the judge, you would maybe you might get relaxed for a few minutes. But still, there would be a question in your mind can he do it? But in this case, our case, the judge himself becomes our attorney god became amen this beautiful folks imagine you go into a court of law and you get to the court of law you have had a briefing with this attorney you are nervous whether you would be able to convince the mind of the judge in relation to your matter you're worried about his legal skills in order to make you escape what would ultimately may result into your death. Then you get there. As you get there into the courtroom and you're looking there, you're looking at your attorney and you're looking at the judge. And at that moment you realize that the attorney is the very judge that will preside over the case. I think it will give you a jubilee because you know the judge will never rule against Israel. You see, two offices, one person, the same attorney, the same judge. God became a man in order to redeem man so that man can become like God. This is amazing. I mean, look, for God to leave the corridors of eternity and to come into a clay of flesh, to be manhandled, to be pushed around, to be spit on, And all these things, he endured that for you. I think that provokes a sense of obligation to live for him, to surrender your life to him, to testify about his greatness and his glory. I think because we lack a sense of appreciation of what he has done. That is why a lot of time people find it difficult to testify. But have you ever... Sin. When somebody has done something for you, that goes beyond human comprehension. Brother, I'm telling you, you're going to move around. You're going to go and testify about this individual. You're going to glorify their name. You're going to tell your friends about them. You're going to tell relatives about them. How much more? about the king of glory that left the corridors of eternity that took on a body of flesh that went on to Golgotha, that hung on the cross that rose within 72 hours and came and said, you, your debt that you owed has been paid for. Brother Brenham says in the seals, he says, God, the law required a kinsman redeemer. And it says grace, Produced the product you couldn't produce you couldn't redeem yourself the Pope couldn't do it the bishop couldn't do it Your pastor couldn't do it your church couldn't do it your mom and dad couldn't do it It took God to come into the body of flesh and to go all the way to Golgotha Even brother Abraham couldn't do it Abraham couldn't do it because no one was with it It had to take a bloody lamb to go and redeem us And we want to thank him. And I'm going to show you that I thank him that he redeemed us. But over and above that, I thank him that I was redeemable. Because not everybody is redeemable. Because the way to redeem, you must have a place to be restored back to. If you've got no place, you can never be restored back to. Now, I want to speak a a little bit just to show you about a difference between mercy and grace. You know, when you, go into, when you go into a courtroom, and maybe when you are in the courtroom, maybe there is a presentation of your matter before the judge, and the judge is being told about what you have done. And as the judge is being told about what you have done, and there is mitigating factors that, oh, he's guilty, Maybe some of the mitigating factors could be that, oh, I'm a breadwinner. My family depends on me. And if I go to prison, no one will take care of my family. Maybe one of the mitigating factors, maybe I'm crippled. Maybe I'm sick. All those things. But look at something very striking the judge, the, the magistrate can look at you and have mercy on you and release you from the dock, but what the magistrate will never be able to do is to remove the spirit that made you to do it in the first place he can be merciful but he can never express mercy uh, a grace i want to show the difference between mercy mercy is when somebody feels pitiful for you they feel sorry for you they release you from your situation but they cannot change your makeup. They cannot remove the spirit that made you land up in that position. But grace, which God extended to us, he looked at us when we were guilty, when we were in the dock, and he said, my child, you are released. You are no longer guilty. You are free. But to make sure that you will never do it again, I'm removing the spirit that made you do it. I'm not only removing it, I am removing even the record that you once did it. So in my eyes, you have never done it. And to ensure that you will never do it ever again, I am going to come into you and take the residency in you to make sure that you will never do it again. The magistrate can feel pity for you and release you, but the magistrate cannot come into you. But grace is when the Holy One comes to indwell the unholy one. To make sure that the unholy one never becomes unholy ever again. That is the difference between mercy and grace. But listen to what the prophet says in this message. The invisible
1: union of the bride. Paragraph 226. He says, For
0: instance, heard a got drunk and done some evil things and everything then you come around and say to me you found out i didn't do do it do them then you come around and say brother brenham i forgive you forgive me i i didn't do it at the first place see now if i did do it if i did do it but you could forgive me and i wouldn't be guilty but yet I'm not justified because I've actually done it. So I've done something, you hear about it. You are told that he did such and such a thing. Then later you find out that I've not done it. Then you come to me and say, hey, brother, I've heard you did such and such a thing. I'm very sorry. I forgive you. Forgive me for what? Because I've not done it. Okay, suppose I've done it. And you come and say, I forgive you. Yes, you may forgive me. I may never feel guilty. But there is something about it. You cannot justify me. I will still be guilty. But look at what grace does. But the way it is justified is though you never done it. Amen. It's not even regarded at all. How is it done? In God's book, or in God's book of the sea of forgetfulness, your old book and marriage is divorced and dead, and it's not even in the memories of God. Listen here. There are things that you have done that are vile. Hence, you had to repent. All of us, there are things that we have done. There are things that we're not proud of. Our, ne, our birth was here, was just a fault to begin with. But he listened to the prophet message. He says when it comes to justify, justification, it means whatever you have ever done, it is not even in the memories of God. There are things that you have done that God will never remember them, can never be reminded of. Even if people can remember, but he will never remember. Even if the devil can remember, but the Lord will never remember. Folks, imagine the God that can never forget. Imagine the God that knows the movement of every creature upon the face of the earth. But this God going into his memory, deleting everything about you and say, that's ugly. I remove it. That's ugly. I remove it. That's ugly. I remove it. That's good. I want it to stay because this is how I want to remember him. This is how I want to look at him. Now, that can only take the grace of God. But listen to him. Is not even regarded at all. How is it done? In God's book of the sea of forgetfulness, your old book and marriage is divorced and dead. is not even in the memories of God. You are justified. Therefore, being justified, it was accused. You were accused you never done it in the first place. Look at how God took it. The very things that you did. God went to take the very things and he pinned them on the devil and said, it was not my son. It was not my daughter. It was you, the devil. They are forgiven. Their clearance to heaven has been granted. Their clearance to holiness has been granted. It's not what they have done. It is who they are before they did what they have done. Isn't this amazing grace? Isn't this something that can provoke a sense of obligation to say, Lord, I thank you. This is unmerited grace I was unworthy of, but here I am the beneficiary of your grace. Oh, brethren, this is supposed to give us a jubilee. I'm going to show you. You know, preaching the gospel, everybody can hear the gospel. Everybody can be preached to the gospel. But not everyone was installed with an equipment. Within them, as Brother Brown say, Moses was born a prophet. He had a device, an equipment in him. Every child of God that was born here on earth, they've got a divine device that was installed in them before the foundation of the world that when the time comes for them to come in contact with the weight they must recognize the weight not everyone has got that device the pope has got no it the priest in the denomination does not have it but you by grace God realized that uh, there will be a time where you'll be lost. And there will be a time where you need to be restored back. And God put a device. That when the time comes and I bring the fullness of the weight in the end time, my daughter, my son will be able to respond within them because I have installed a divine device in them before the foundation of the world to recognize the weight. There are people that hear the weight, love the weight, sympathize with the weight, but they cannot believe the weight and it is not out of their own doing. It boils down to predestination. I think tonight, We have to thank God that God, I thank you I was predestinated. I thank you because I was was foreknown. I thank you because I was redeemable. I thank you that my destiny was predetermined before the foundation of the world. It is not what I can do. It's what you have already done. And for that, Lord, I want to thank you. And for that, Lord, I'm laying at the altar and I'm giving my life to you. I have the best gift that I can give you. Yes, it's a praise, but be higher than the praise. I can give you my life. I can make my life to be a billboard that God there goes a redeemed saint, the one that was once a vile sinner. But today, by God's amazing grace, they are now a saint. Listen to what he says. My favorite quotation. Who is this Melchizedek? Paragraph 116. He says, God vindicates that. That's always been right. God vindicates it to be true. God vindicates it to be true. Show plainly, the predestinated is the only one that's considered in redemption. Folks, this is profound. You're not a message believer because you are clever. You are not a message believer because you are better than your neighbors, you are better than your colleagues. There is nothing good about you You are considered in redemption because you were predestinated for redemption. This is profound. Show plainly, the predestinated is the only one that's considered in redemption. Did you get it? Let me say that again. The prophet would want to emphasize it. The predestinated is the only one that's considered. In redemption people might be making like think they are but the real redemption is those that are predestination because the very way to redeem means to bring back is that right redeem is something to redeem anything is bring it back to its original place thank be to god that i had the original place that i can be restored back to A sinful condition was not my original place. A fallen state was not my original place. But my original place is a son. My original place, your original place is a daughter of God. Hallelujah. So it's the only predestinated will be brought back because others didn't come from there. See, others didn't come from there. This evening I can say, Thank be to God that I come from that place. Thank be to God that I have an original place that I can be restored back to. Like the Samaritan woman, she had she was a prostitute, but that was not her original place. Her original place, she was a daughter of God. Even you, because of the sinful conditions, how you were born, you went sinner into the in you went deeper into the mud of sin. But now, by grace, God handpicked you. And brought you back to your original place, which is your position in Christ. And when you are there, you will never fall ever again. I repeat, you will never fall ever again. You will do mistakes, but those mistakes will be forgiven. And you will repent because you will prove that you are predestined. Brother Brown says, When we preach about predestination, it's not encourage people to live any life that they want and say, I'm predestined. It says, if you do that, it shows that you were never predestinated. Brother, what makes us on Wednesday, when church doors are closed, to be able to come before the gadgets and look at the gadgets and try to listen to the gospel, not many people are doing that, but what constrains us? to come before guidance and to find means to be able to fellowship around the Word of God is because in us there is something that was predestinated to worship God irrespective of the circumstances of the time. I'm not worshiping God because there is a church building. I'm not worshiping God because I'm under a pastor. I'm not worshiping God because I'm under a prophet. Those are good, but I worship God because before the foundation, of the world, I was foreordained, brethren. I was foreordained to worship God. You were foreordained to worship God. The scripture says in the book of Acts as many as were ordained to to eternal life believed in him. They didn't become ordained to eternal life when they believed. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed him. I was ordained to believe the message. I was ordained to follow the prophet messenger. I was ordained to be forgiven. I was ordained to be a son of God. I was ordained to go into the rapture. I was ordained to overcome Satan. I was ordained to be victorious over every circumstances. And if it was foreordained, there is no situation, there is no condition, there is no demon, there is no devil that can change the foreordination of God. And according to God's foreordination, we are already raptured. Thank be to God. Let's come and look at the Samaritan woman, a prostitute. In the message, the future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. Paragraph 156. Paragraph 156. God bless you, Sister Chabalain Nelsprate. I see you. God bless you, Brother Chetty. God bless you, Brother Allen. Uh, I think my mother is online. God bless you. I see all of you, Brother Lasimo. Brother Grace, I see all of you, and even those that are not saying anything, I can feel your amen. God bless you richly. Now, in the midst of the future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride, paragraph 156. He says, Now here it was in this little woman. She was one of his attributes. Brethren, hear me and hear me very well. This is a prostitute vile filthy broken background ill reputation allergic to anything that has to do with worship but the prophet messenger cometh he says now here it was in this little woman she was one of his attributes i like it because the prophetic eye can look beyond the current moment and identify you, who you are in God's economy. Brethren, can you imagine when you were still out there in the, in the midst of sin, when you were still out there saving Satan, you were always one of his attributes. The message of the hour did not make you an attribute. You were always God's attribute. Oh, this one. The message didn't make you a child of God. You were always a child of God. Listen to him. Now, here it was. In this little woman, she was one of his attributes paragraph 157 and there was the priest there was the priest representing the light he had learned it from the Bible school from he had learned it from the Bible the priest was not the light you are the light the priest only represented the light folks maybe let me take it further there are people that may be sent by God, but not be of God. Let me repeat. There are people that may be sent by God, but not be of God. And there are people that are sent by God because they are from God. William Branham was not sent by God was sent from God. That means if you are sent from somewhere, you have a place from there. If we come from God, brother, we are going back to God. But listen to the prophet messenger. And there was the priest representing the light. He had learned it from the Bible. He had learned that God was God. He had learned, he had not experienced, he had learned that holiness was right. He was learned that there was a law of God. He had learned it because of an intellectual conception. And he was born in the right lineage. He was a Levite. He only knew it by intellectual conception. And when the light of the hour, see, he learned it by what had happened. By history. He had learned it by intellectual conception. He had learned it by what had happened, not what was happening. Not what was happening. What had happened. That's why Brother Bruno said a denomination, it means we are living in the glare of another age. And when he found what was happening, his denomination said nothing about it. Therefore, it had no representation of it. But he was the Redeemer on earth at that time to redeem those attributes of God. When you see a Redeemer, a Redeemer is not here for everyone. A Redeemer is here for God's attributes to redeem those attributes of God. I think you can say I'm glad I can say I'm one of them. And she received it. She never questioned it. She said, when Messiah cometh, he will do this. And that settled it. And seen it done, he said, I am the Messiah. So that settled it. No more question. She went telling everybody else, come and see who I found. You see, once you found him, once you experience his grace, you are not ashamed to budge into the city and say, come and see a man. Is this not Christ? You are not ashamed anymore because you come to your realization. The moment, the problem in the message of the hour today, people have a sense of entitlement. They think that, oh, I was born to be Message believe, But brother, you were born to be a But to come to a realization that despite what you went through, despite what you have done, it never changed God's perception of you. It needs you just to glorify God. Let's take it further. Let's break it down. Brother Branham, remember you said the priest had learned of it by intellectual conception he had learned of it based on what had happened but when it was happening his denomination said no we know nothing about it because they had no representation but when the redeemer was here the redeemer went after his god's attributes do you hear and then later she never questioned she accepted the messiah for who he is and this was a prostitute but he was rejected by a priest listen A church rejected him, but a prostitute
1: accepted him. Now, you have, for you to be redeemed, you've got
0: to be placed to be a place to be redeemed back to. When he was the creator, I'm looking at the creator, I'm looking at the prostitute, I'm looking at the priest. The creator, prostitute, and the priest. When he was Elohim, the Samaritan woman was an attribute, but the priest was not there. When he, the logos came out of him and became what Brother Branham calls an expression, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the expression of God, and the expression was in God, and the expression God expressed himself in an expressed form. When he expressed himself in an expressed form, he became the Logos, and the Samaritan woman was there. She was a theophany. But where was the priest? No representation. Then the creator became flesh and moved around Galilee and moved around Samaria. The priest rejected him because his denomination rejected him. Thank be to God. But look at the prostitute. The priest rejected him because when he was Elohim, the priest wasn't there. The priest rejected him because when he was the Logos, the priest wasn't there. But when you look at them in the flesh realm, you look at the prostitute, you look at the priest, the priest is born in the right lineage, he believes in holiness, he is living a dedicated life, here is a prostitute, she is a marriage breaker and all sorts of things but look at the creator when he comes he is being recognized by the very person that is unqualified the very person that is rejected by the religious community why because the samaritan woman had a representation this evening when he was elohim you You can put your name, you brother, you sister, you were his attribute. When he expressed himself and became the logos, you brother, you sister became the theophany. When he became flesh and you are here in flesh, you recognize God no matter how he comes because you were there with him before the foundation of the world. So never judge. An individual based on what is happening in the flesh realm. Actually, even the woman that came with the alabaster box. Brother Brenham said that woman that was a prostitute. Yeah, you can go and read of it in the message, and welcome Christ. He says this woman hated that the Messiah is coming. It was the Simon Pharisee that invited Jesus, and when he invited Jesus, everybody knew that there was going to be a great feast, and everybody came there, and gate gatecrashers were there, and this woman that was a prostitute came there, and these were not allowed to get into where the VAPs were. Now, she said, Brother Brown said, even Jesus, we went there and honored, honored the invitation of the very man that Jesus knew that he hated him. The very man that will make a mocker of him. But Jesus left a thousand of sick people, and went to Simon's house, even though he knew someone hated him. Brother, he knew that these thousands here are here for the miracle of the body. But there is a prostitute at at Simon's house. Who is looking for the miracle of the soul? A greater miracle is a miracle of the soul than a miracle of the body because the miracle of the body can happen, but you can still go to hell. But look at it. Brother Brown says she came with the alabaster box and came by the feet of Jesus and kneeled down there and cried. And with her hair, she wiped off. The feet of Jesus says, although she was a prostitute, but she believed that she had to have a Nazarite vow, which is a long hair. Brethren, listen, brother, brother, say, she was the daughter of Abraham. Even Jesus said, you are the daughter of Abraham. But when you look, it doesn't look like that. Because what is happening, never judge things based on what is happening in the flesh. If the flesh, if he that is in the flesh was an attribute of God, if he that is in the flesh has got a theophany, it's a matter of time. They will come to the light of the hour because they will recognize the light because they are part of the light.
1: Let's carry on. As I'm building up towards the end,
0: let me not forget what I'm speaking about. Overwhelming obligations. Folks, as we are speaking right now, thousands upon thousands and millions have perished.
1: Even loved ones that we, we loved so dearly, they've been They've, they've moved on to glory. Here is a question that I have for you. Why has God spared you? There are able ministers of the gospel, able ministers of the gospel
0: that succumbed to this sickness, and have gone to be with the Lord.
1: There are brothers, sisters of substance who have gone on. But
0: despite the thousands and millions that have gone
1: and died, you are still alive. My question to you, has it, have you ever
0: posed The Lord, if you took everyone else and left me here, what is the purpose? And if you have never asked yourself such a question, I submit to you, you are
1: a very careless believer. You lack discernment. You lack gratitude. You lack a
0: sense of responsibility. You lack an awareness of the moment. There are people that contributed more than you could ever imagine you would ever do to the body of Christ. They are gone.
1: But you are remaining behind, alive and well. For what purpose? For what purpose? God has prayed you. And here is a question. I've seen it many times. I've prayed for people that were sick.
0: And a lot of times when we pray for a sick person, there is a question that we often ask: What will you do for him if you are healed? I remember there was a time where I prayed for a brother who was rolling on the floor in pain, and he claimed that something was moving inside of him. He was in such an int- he was experiencing such an intense pain, and the wife called me the and. prayed for him and i said lord brother what are you gonna do he says i'm gonna give my love my life to the lord jesus i'm gonna save him we prayed god healed him completely back on his feet went back to work guess what i've never seen him in a church service every time i see him he he plays hide and seek and i realized that this man could have gone and God has has given him a second lease of life. But look, is he going to spend it playing hide and
1: seek with the Lord Jesus Christ who healed him? I see. We have been spared. And the question would be,
0: I remember there was a time where I was with Brother Godwin Chitsendi, the elder in Zimbabwe. We were driving, coming late from church. And he said something very profound. He said, Brother Malibaya, believers, some believers are gone. It was even before COVID 19. He said, Some believers are gone and we are remaining here. He says, With the number of years that we have been granted to be here, We can use those years for the glory of God or we can use those years to bring shame to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say, you have been spared, my brother. People are in their graves.
1: People are in the sixth dimension. Some are in the fifth dimension. You are still here. What are you going to do For him. God didn't spare you to build a bigger business, to get a better profession.
0: Oh, those things are good. You've got to go after them. But he saved you and preserved you and made you to be around so that you can save him better. What am I saying? Everyone that is alive now has an obligation to say, Lord, there are people that were worthy that could have been given an extra time. But you didn't give them. But here I am. You have given me time. What am I going to do? about? Am I going to meet a sinner and never speak about your name? Am I still going to miss church? Am I still going to not read the Bible? Am I still going to lack a sense of sincerity when it comes to your matters? Am I going to still regard worship as a a form of entertainment? Or am I going to take it seriously and say, Lord, I'm still here. Make me better. If I'm a parent, let me be a better parent. If I'm a minister, let me become a better minister. If I'm a deacon, let me be a better deacon. If I'm an elder, let me be a better elder. What are you going to use?
1: For the time that the Lord has granted you. Even young ones are gone. It's not a matter of age. But you are still around. To him much is given. Much shall be required. That is why. David says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all
0: his benefits towards me? If you are an unbeliever listening to me, the question would be, what shall I render unto the Lord? The answer is very simple, your life. If you have been playing church, you know, there are people that play church. There are people that think church is an entertainment zone. If you have been playing church, what shall what shall I, you render unto the Lord? I say, your life, a full, a full surrender, a total surrender. Lord, take a preeminency in every area of my life for Your glory. Why shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What will I give in exchange for the benefits that the Lord has granted me? You can't give anything else except a dedicated, consecrated life
1: to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? For unto whom? For unto
0: whomsoever much is given of him.
1: Much of him shall much be required. My question would be when you meet the Lord, your Maker, and he says, In 2020,
0: 20, in 2019, 20, towards the tail of 2019, I took Many people of the face of the earth. In 2020, I took even more people. In 2021, I took even more people. So over a space of three, in, in the space of three years, I have allowed death to harvest upon the face of the earth. And I allowed Death to harvest to an extent that people even had to be invited to funerals because now it was a time where death was reigning. But you, brother, you, sister, I preserved you. I kept you for more days, for more weeks, for more years. What for? What for? The question would be, what for? Let's check when Brother Brendan was taken as a young boy when he went into the fifth dimension, into hell, what what we call the prison house. When he got there, let's check what happened to the. Brother Brendan says, When I got there, I looked around. It says, I kept on falling into what seemed like a bottomless pit. And as I was falling, and it says, Now there came. Women that were looking like a cat, and they were busy making funny sounds. And he says, that was the most unholy place. He says, it's a place that you would never even wish your worst enemy to go to. He says, no matter what you do, he says this in souls that are in present, And say, if your way is pointing downwards there, he says, pause the tape and say, Lord, be merciful. He says, I've been to both places the region of the lost and the region of the blessed, you want your way to be an upward one, not the downward one. But when he was there, he said, I screamed for God, and there was no God. I I screamed for my mom, my mom wasn't there. I screamed for my dad, and my dad wasn't there. And he said, these were the words that I uttered in the souls that are in prison now. Paragraph 83. He said, I just screamed out, Oh God, have mercy upon me. Have mercy on me, Oh God. Where are you? If you'll only let me go back and live, I promise you to be a good boy. Now, that's the only thing I could say now. Now, God knows, and at the day of judgment, He will judge me for that statement. That's what I said, Lord. God, let me go back and I'll promise you, I will be a good boy. You as you remain. When many people have perished, here is the question that I have for you tonight. What are you going to use your life for? The number of days that are remaining, are they going to be spent on shallow activities? Are they going to be spent in complaining and mourning? Or are you going to use the remaining the additional time that God granted you to be somebody of substance in the kingdom of God? My greatest desire as we come to the end as we open the church doors may we have women like Hannah that come after they have spent time in the presence of the Lord may we have men like Imram, a man that will say I'm the one that will pray that's my duty if the whole nation sleeps but I will not sleep no matter how long how hard I work and long hours, but when I come, I want to go into the antique and I want to pray. Pray for the sick people. Pray for the trouble. Oh God, let the, the lost that are of yours, let them find their way back home. They are needed around the table. Let me be available as a prayer warrior. I'm looking forward to seeing the Imram material the hannah material the timothy material i'm looking forward to seeing the Paul material at elder eldership guiding the young ones and telling young ones let the people not undermine you because of your youth there is a gift within you stir it up here is a question as we are going back what what is the purple is it going to provoke a sense of sincerity Or is it just going to be an entertainment? Are we going to sing songs that make tears to stream down our cheeks and say, Lord, we are back. Others couldn't come back. Others are not around. Others are in the grave, lost and totally separated away from you. But here we are. We have an opportunity to fix our messes, to mend our ways. Or are we going back? to turn the church of God into a night lap, entertainment and some nice moves. If that is the case, maybe the Lord would have much better have taken us because we wouldn't be of any value to him. But I say, Lord, this is my desire. The number of years that you have added to me, May I become a pastor that is very sensitive to the operation of the Holy Spirit. May I not become a people's pleaser, may I become your pleaser. May I become a custodian of a spiritual environment that people would come into and be sensitive to the operation of the holy spirit and if there are things that we picked up along the way that shouldn't have been picked up help us lord to let go of this those things and come into an arena into a mood of sincerity into the mood of consecration if we become popular popular, let it be there are others that are lying in the grave we could be lying in the grave Brother Brother said, let me preach like a dying man to a dying generation. Are we going to go back and still gossip, undermine one another, condescending? Why are we remaining? And I said, Lord, be merciful. May we have women like Sarah. May we have women like Hannah. May we have women like Mary. May we have brothers like Timothy. May we have brothers like Samson that realize I messed up, but Lord, just once more, I'm still remaining because you gave me an opportunity. I will not die in this condition. I need to mend my ways. This era provokes an overwhelming sense of obligation and our whole duty is to worship God and declare his name and allow him to have preeminency in our lives no more time for entertainment the world offers that one better there's a season of sincerity there's a season of consecration there's a season of dedication There's a season of introspection. There's a season of deeper connection with God. There's a season of where we need to rise higher and become the ultimate God's billboard. It's our desire. As we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for being our God. And we thank you for making us redeemable. I pray for every brother and every sister. I pray for everyone that was able to join us and those that may join us later. May they understand the season in which we are in. May they understand the time in which we are in. May they understand the privilege that you have granted to us. May we use the remaining years to glorify your name and to increase the temple against Satan and to embrace holiness. That is our desire. I pray for every brother and every sister. May you grant them their heart's desire. Those that are sick, heal them. Those that are lost, may they be found. It's my desire. As I commit everything to you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, Richly. It has been a pleasure speaking to you, and God bless everyone that was able to join us. I saw our brother from North Carolina in America, Brother Aaron. God bless you, Sister Lorena. I saw you. Uh, There's Sister Puteo Mafiri or a brother. God bless you. All those that have been online, acknowledge you. We appreciate you. God bless you. Have a blessed week
1: of what remains of it. Shalom.